Hello, you beautiful people. Today's podcast, we are talking to my friend Vince, who is a poker player in addition to other things that he does. Throughout the podcast, we're talking about poker. Specifically, we are referencing Texas No Limit Hold'em poker or Texas Hold'em No Limit poker. Some variation of those five words is the game that we're talking about. I'm not going to attempt to explain exactly how it works. I'm not sure if you truly get the visual from the podcast. I mean, I do paint a picture with my words sometimes. Uh, just not right now. So if you do need a tutorial, YouTube has a ton of these videos. I'll definitely link one of those in the comment section. One part of poker you sort of have to understand is the small and big blind system. Remember, the small and big blinds are the money that's put into the pot before the game really gets going. And it basically is an incentive for players to play in that round without any money in the round, people would just throw away their bad cards and no one would win any money. There's no there's no incentive to get you to play. In the podcast, I actually mistake what he says. We're talking about buy-ins at a certain part. Remember, a buy-in is the amount of money you need just to sit at that table, just to be part of that poker game. You have to put enough money on the table. You have to buy into that game. The buy-in for certain games is 100 to 200 times the big blind. In the podcast, I, well, I mistake that. I think he means one or two times the large buy-in. So in a game where the small blind is, say, $2 and a large blind is $5, if the buy-in is 100 times the big blind, that's five times 100 is $500. If it's 200 times the big blind, it is Five times $200, which is $1,000. That's just me calling myself out for just mishearing what happens. We also talk about my friends Buck and Ivan, who are really good friends of mine. I can't wait till they're on the podcast. They'll be on shortly. They also play poker in addition to making money at other wonderful things that they do. Without further ado, here's my conversation with the wonderful Vince. Doing all right? You're welcoming me or the, the the people? Everyone. All right. You are definitely welcome in this joint. There we go. Uh, it's a not a bad day outside, but spring is upon us. That's and right. <laughs> I like your enthusiasm already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess it's all right. It's a pretty shitty day outside. I think the first fashion tip of the spring will have to be this. This is something like a lot of fashion tips. Girls do all the time, and guys are just kind of warming up to it. But here's a tip: roll it up, show some ankle. Some sweet, sweet, sexy angle. And I don't mean to do that for all your pants or whatever it may be, or your khakis, whatever you're rocking in the summer or spring. At least try it. It might look like shit, and then don't do it anymore. So much of fashion is, is trial and error. If it works, it works, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. So that's it. Roll it up if you can. I'm in studio. I'm rolling mine up right now. Oh, look at that. Um, I don't recommend it with those. <laughs> <laughs> roll that roll that back down, please. <laughs> in studio with Vince. Vince, my man, how you doing, buddy? I'm all right, man. I'm good. This is dope. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, the reason why I brought you in here is because of that sweet, sweet beer that you're rocking. How do you get it so full? Man, this is like four months in the making right here. <laughs> Are you a slow beard grower, by the way, kind of like me? No, I just, I, I didn't know how to make it work. It started up here, and then I had to grow it down here. It's just... Yeah, trial and error, just like fashion. This yeah, is fashion. It's my fashion. Right and it's, that's kind of awful too when you have a, you have a <laughs> high beard, like a high grade of beard, where it starts like mid cheek, yeah. almost with your eye, and like ah. I mean, hairy guys have it the worst because it's like really high. I'm very fortunate that it's still very much a typical beard. Yeah. 
Yeah, keep it once a day, just keep it like this. Exactly, trim it down a bit. The reason why I'm having you on, not only am I, are you my friend, but you know a lot about poker and being in Niagara Falls where we are right now, I mean, gambling is kind of the thing people do a lot. It's the huge tourist industry here, but you do know a lot about poker. How, how long have you been playing for? I've been playing poker, I'll say, for 16 years. 16 years. 16 years, yeah. Damn, son. <laughs> More than half my life. There you go. And treating you well? Yeah, I'm, I haven't had a single year where I've lost money at it. I've been able to supplement my income with it. It's been it's been pretty good. And so how'd you get into it? Was it WPT? Did you watch it on TV? Or like, what's the deal here? Uh, yeah, me and all my friends when we were in high school, we uh, just watched Rounders and thought it was really cool, the game they were playing. And we had a <laughs> couple people over to our house to give it a try. And it was a big hit. And it just took off. And we kept bringing people from other cliques in to gamble with us. At the end of the day, me and my friend were collecting all the money, so we had all the reason to keep doing it. That's so interesting. It's because yeah. I've talked to other friends about this. Uh, my buddy Ivan, I've talked to about this as well, uh, who's also a pretty big poker player. There comes that point where you just kind of realize that you're better than everyone else. Yeah, That's something. Yeah, I, I talked to an Olympian the other day, and he was like, "Yeah, um, I don't know what it was. It's like a moment where it's like you looked around and you're like, I, I'm the best." <laughs> no, no, because it sort of taught me. And uh, you grew up in Windsor, yeah? Yeah, I grew up in Windsor. And that's where you sort of started playing and figuring all this stuff out. Yeah. And then yeah. what was the next progression for you? So you started at house games. Where did you go from house games? Uh, we started at house games, and then uh, it just conveniently enough, on my 19th birthday, when I'm finally allowed to walk into a casino and gamble, is when they opened a poker room, like on my birthday. So perfect timing. I had to walk in and play for my first time and the casino's first time all at the same time. It was good. Uh, how much money was that? How much was the buy-in? Uh, I just I, I brought 100 bucks with me. I wasn't there to make money. I was there to just kind of see what was going on because I was kind of intimidated. I, I was able to beat my friends and everything in high school, so I thought I would go to the casino, sit at the poker room, and I'd see, and everyone would just be on a higher level than me, and I just sat down for half an hour with my 100 bucks, and after half an hour, I just picked up my money and, and left, but I knew that from here on, this is where I'm going to go anytime I need money. Because not only, not only like were they not sharks, all the people I play with in high school were better than these people. Yeah, I'm, I'm making $40 off the people we're playing with in high school, but all these guys are buying in for hundreds of dollars, and it just blew my mind when I saw it for the first time. It's almost like you had an inside edge. Like you'd already been playing, That's, and then yeah. when it hit popularity, you, you boom, you're already kind of on top of it. Yeah, like when uh, they all, everyone says that when Chris Moneymaker did his World Series run, it was 2003, they say that sparked the poker boom. Well, me and my buddies already had like a four-year head start on it, so all these people are just playing, and learning for the first time, and we, we had a nice little head start, so it was good. And so yeah. let's let's talk escalation because a hundred dollars is a hundred dollars. That's I mean, to a lot of people, it can be a lot of money, but really, in the grand scheme of poker, at least, that's not a whole lot of money. How do you go about sort of progressing from a hundred bucks to a thousand to almost ten thousand dollar buy-ins? Well, that's uh, I, it just takes time. I mean, if you keep beating a certain level, then you can maybe pick up your bankroll and go take a shot at the next level. And if you can keep beating that and just keep going and going until you hit that spot where you just can't get any higher. So, so how much do you usually play for now? Like well, on average, well, an average over, table? Over here at the casino at Fallsview is where, if I'm playing poker, it's where I go the most. Uh, I was actually going to go right after this. I got 1800 bucks in my pocket I was going to bring out to go play with. And, and that's on Thursday because Fridays and Saturdays they'll have the bigger games and sometimes you got to bring more. So I, what, I what's like, bigger? Uh, well, today I'd probably be going and playing a, a 2-5 game. Do you know what 2-5 means? No, I don't. Okay, 2-5 is what the, the blinds are, and usually the buy-in is 100 or 200 times the big blind. So 2-5 is the buy-in, or the blind. The buy-in will be 500 bucks. So let's break that down for people who don't understand poker. Your blinds are the money that 
to ensure action on every pot, to ensure that everyone, as many people play as possible, at least there's some money in the pot. Right. You have two people that essentially put money right off the bat. Right. And so in, in two five, I'm talking. I'm assuming you're talking twenty, like two hundred dollars and five hundred dollars. No, no, two two dollar, five dollar oh, lines. It's, it's it's that small. It's oh, that okay. small, but it escalates so fast because like some guy will raise to twenty five dollars, and a bunch of people call. Now there's a hundred bucks in the pot. The board comes down. The next round of betting happens with that hundred dollars in mind. So then, so people will bet eighty bucks, and now there's going to be the one sixty plus hundred, and there's two hundred and sixty bucks in the pot. And then the next bet, it just grows exponentially. By the time the end of the hand's done. You could be all in for a thousand dollars, and the blinds were two and five. Two and five, and so you're saying the usually the minimum buy-in is twice the big blind. So in this case, so you're paying two and five, maybe ten dollars. No, 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 no. The, minim, the minimum minimum buy-in in that game is two hundred bucks. Okay, that's the, that's the least you can buy in for. Okay, and I'm not playing poker anytime soon. <laughs> then <laughs> I guess, and and I say that, but really, when I asked Ivan this question, I think he gave me a pretty good answer. I said, "How do you win a million dollars at poker?" What does that look like? And his response was kind of cool. He said, if you want to win a million dollars, you have to be willing to lose a million dollars. And that's, that's a perfect answer. That's what it is. <laughs> that's insane. Yeah. That, I mean, I, could, I couldn't fathom that. But you have this, and not just you, I think a lot of poker players have this, this feeling that no matter what happens, you, you're okay with losing that kind of money. I, I am not okay with losing, having these swings of four, five grand, two grand, up to, down to. Or whatever well, maybe. Well, see, when when you're playing poker and and you're kind of doing it, you're, you're taking it seriously. So you're playing for pretty decent sized money. The money you play with is completely separate than the money you live with. Today, I'm I got this eighteen hundred bucks in my pocket. I'm gonna go and hope I don't lose. But if I do lose, it's it's not really real money until you take it out of your bankroll. It's still just like a, a percentage of your bankroll. I, I don't know if I could explain that much better. Um, Are you saying that? You've already accounted for losing this money. This money doesn't mean a whole lot, or is like this is the money you're going to play with, and it doesn't really affect it's your actual income for the exactly, most part. Exactly, exactly. Right? Yeah, exactly. I have I have my 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 regular money that I live with in every day, and then I have a completely separate set of money that's that's my bankroll. That's what I can gamble with, and that's what I have to to play with. I can and and if I lose so much, then I'll have to drop down in stakes. And if I win so much, I can jump up in stakes. But I'm never going to be at a danger point where. I'd like to say I'll never be at a danger point where what I'm playing with, if I lose, I'm screwed because that means that I got to go down to a lower level. And once you get down to a low enough level, you're not really playing where you're supplementing your income. You're kind of just just playing. You're just gambling. Just playing. Yeah. Uh, you brought up losses. Have you had any any real doozies? Any any of these big losses? Well, yeah, I've played the main event twice. That's ten thousand dollars a pop right there. So damn. <laughs> and like, I I know it's ten grand, but there have been a few times in my life where I'm like, oh, I've done a couple modeling gigs and I've gotten you know. I got some good coin out of it. Ten grand to go in and uh, and lose that. But see, I don't, I don't look at I don't look at it like that. Uh, I look at I put in ten thousand dollars and and I look at it as like a million trials. When I invest that ten thousand, how much is it really worth? And I feel I'm gonna get back more money in the long run than if I did than if I didn't put it in. So even though I lost, it's still a good investment. It's also like it feels like a really risky investment. Though. It, 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 anytime you play in a tournament, because I don't really like that that risk. I don't like that feeling because uh, you're putting it in, and the average player, if in an average field, you're only gonna only ten percent of the people are gonna pull back money when they play a tournament. Where cash games, the better players are gonna win a large majority of the time. So essentially, if if you if you're pretty good, cash games are the way to go because you can well, almost way, always win. That's that's an argument among poker players all the time that I always have to defend. I choose. I believe that. I believe cash games are the way to go because you're just going to win 
way more often. You don't have to deal with the swings. And at the end of the day, who knows what's even more valuable, playing in all these tournaments for big buy-ins or the cash games? I feel like, though, just from not really playing much poker, <laughs> like the cash games are, I think, a bit more beneficial because um, it's more instant. It's more immediately gratifying, I feel, just because when I see tournaments on TV, it's like days after days after days, if this constant buildup, and while the payoff may be higher, it kind of is a cash games. You can pretty well see in a couple hours how well you're doing. It's it's there, and it's essentially it's almost quicker, but that's just me being a an idiot from the outside, not knowing much about poker. Well, what you're talking about the like day seven in a tournament. Once you hit like day two, you've usually made the money. Okay. So you don't really have to invest too much time to get something back in a tournament. But and if you do invest a lot of time in a tournament, that's that means you're getting a lot back. Yeah. Like if you do survive seven days of the main event, you you don't have to play for the year if you don't want it. You're gonna you just got paid. That's so crazy. And so you've done the main event three times. You said I've done it twice. Twice. And I haven't been able to pull any money back out of it yet. And so what's Vegas like when it comes to that big tournament? It's pretty crazy. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been in a, in a poker room and there's a bunch of tables and uh, you just hear that shuffling of chips. Yeah. First time I ever walked into the tournament area, the ballroom area, the main event, it was 270 poker tables, all full and everyone shuffling chips. And it was just a crazy echoing. And it was, it was just a surreal experience to walk into it for the first time. It's like almost like Pavlov. Like you hear that, you're like you start salivating. Like, oh, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is gonna be good. <laughs> this is gonna be amazing. And you, you just look around and you just see every t- every walk of life is represented by people at the tables, and you just gotta cross your fingers and hope for the best, I guess. I guess two questions would be: the first one is, what's the percentage of people there that are pros are likely going to do well if they get the cards that they need, uh, compared to the people who are just gonna have a lot of money? It sounds, sounds like a good idea. I'm going to throw $10,000 away. Well, like I told you uh, when I played at the casino for the first time, I expected everyone to be sharks, and I, and I thought they were going to be great, and they weren't. They were the opposite. They were, they were all pretty bad at the game. And when I played in the main event for the very first time, I sat down at the table, and I said, oh, man, it's my first $10,000 buy-in. I was scared. I was, I was expected to be, like, intimidated by all these people. And after, like, two rounds of the table, it clued in that this was the easiest table I've ever played at in my entire life. That's so interesting. It, it, it blew me away. And anytime I tell people that, just saying it reminds me, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense to me that that was the truth, but it was. However, I said I played it twice. The second time, it was not the case. The second time I played in it, I had I had a couple guys who, who were really on, a, on another level for the rest of the table. You say another, on another level. There is a huge skill component to this. What's the split, you think, between skill and luck? In poker, well, at the, I, I, they're completely different with cash games and tournaments. I, so let's, let's let's talk about both. Okay, uh, I, I always I like arguing for the cash game side. So I like to say <laughs> I like to say that the cash game versus tournament is like chess and checkers. Checkers has a solid strategy, and if you're not if you're not playing by it, you will always lose to someone who is. But there's also like that there's there's more luck in in checkers. In cash games, if you play the same group of people for every day for a month. I say at the end of the month, every single time, the best player is getting all the money. Where you play, you play the same tournament with those people all the time. Every once in a while, someone who doesn't even know what they're doing is just going to scoop a big tournament, win a whole bunch of money, and that's and that's good for the game. That's. I, I, I guess in a smaller group, there's more there's more complexity in a weird way. Is that more or less what you're saying? Well, no. What strategy? I mean, if you're in a smaller group of people, um, you get to know them, get to know the tendencies. But overall, in a game like chess, where skill is coveted. Uh, that person is almost always going to win compared to checkers, where you're saying. Well, the the, the difference is, I'll, I'll be talking. Uh, you don't really know all that much about poker. You've so, made so, that pretty so, clear. So, yeah, let's break it down, though. All right. Well, when I'm playing a cash game, it, 
when you're talking strategy with people in tournaments, you say, okay, I was in this spot and I was doing this in my hand, and they'll say, whoa, 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 how many big blinds do you have? Because that plays into how you would play the hand. So in a tournament, the blinds are always going up. You, you need to always keep building your stack to keep up with the raising of the blinds. So if you get in a situation, it matters. What usually average uh, chip count in a tournament is probably somewhere around 50 big blinds. So in a 2-5 game, that would mean you have $250 in front of you. Yep. But in cash games, you always have way more. In cash games, you're looking at spots in a 2-5 game where you got like $1,600, $1,700, and the other guy has you covered, and it's all in play. And that means that every decision you make has such a greater uh, weight to it. Because if I make one decision, one bad decision at the $100 stage of the pot, it could cost me $1,700. Where in the tournaments, like, you, have to, you basically have to get the first two stages right because after that, you're, you're all in. Yeah, it's kind of like budgeting too. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's kind of what yeah, it is. Yeah. But uh, so, so tournaments, you're looking at like 30 big blind decisions and 50 big blind decisions. And while you should give them more weight because your tournament life is on the line, where cash games, if you lose, you can rebuy. In relation to big blinds, those decisions become bigger and deeper. And that's why I feel that there's so much deeper level of strategy in the cash game. There's, there's just more at stake with every decision. That's a cool way of putting it. Well, what's, what's the counter argument, though? Because I, I'm assuming that people on the other side who really enjoy these tournament games say, it's kind of worth it. It's kind of like it's more methodical because there's more people you got to go through. You have to constantly be changing your opinion. I mean, changing your strategy. The money part is obviously a bit more easy to manage, but you're dealing with just different different people every step along the way when it comes to sort of the people kind of coming out. So I can see how that can be more difficult, having more people to almost go against to get to your final target. Oh, yeah. Well, that's another thing with the tournaments. Like in cash games, the only luck that you have to worry about is like the one hand, the next card, where in tournaments, like you have to worry about that throughout the entire day just to even make any money like like you said you go through two full days just to make any money in a big tournament where and you need a lot of luck to do that you can be the best player in the world you're not going to cash every tournament not even close yeah Gus Hansen I remember reading in a book said the best player in the world isn't even going to cash one in five times I yeah it's, uh, but that's also that's Gus's opinion I'm yeah. not going to say it's fact but um I, did you read a lot of poker I yeah I used to I used to read a whole bunch now I just read a bunch of online I guess blogs and articles like that but I I had a whole little library of all kinds of poker books I've lent a bunch out no one ever gives books back <laughs> you got any of my books I I don't have any of your books any of your goddamn books uh, but, but <laughs> w- w- like what sort of things are you reading online because that seems once again from this ignorant perspective I have a sort of poker. What are on these block posts? Is certain hands the way people play certain hands? Is it? Yeah, basically that. I'm r- more intrigued by the psychology of of the poker behind it because after you've played for so many years, you, there's only so many different ways you can fine tune how you're going to play a hand, and but the psychology of the game will always change, and you can always learn new things, like learn new tells uh, that people have, and so we we should say what a tell is. A tell is when somebody indicates that they. A, a tell is when somebody does a specific action that will indicate the strength of their hand. Okay. Like, for an example, I'll give you a tell. I watch all the time here at the at Falls View. You get guys who are really good with the chips. You watch them shuffle, and they never make any mistakes with the chips. It's like, wow, that's pretty impressive. And then they go to make a big bet. They get a big stack of chips, and they slide it in, and a bunch spill. And all of a sudden, wait, well, I thought you were good with the chips. What's going on here? And that's because their mind is off somewhere else trying to re- – and usually that's a bluff. Yeah. I'm not going to call just because he did that, but if I'm unsure and he did that, I'll call him. And it's it's pretty solid. It's usually there. Any any other ones? 
I got a whole bunch, but I'm not just going to give them away. Okay, okay. <laughs> Tell me afterwards. Mo- most, mo- most of the tells that I learn, I learn through watching myself. Like at the end of the hand, I'll be like, oh, man, I, I did something differently there. And I'll pay attention to it. And the next time I play, I'll be like, oh, I did it again. And then I'll see someone else do it and be like, oh, I, I know what that means because I paid attention when I did it. Do you still get anxious? Uh, sometimes. Sometimes I get anxious. I'll look down at two aces, and before it used to, like, my heart would just start going. Like, oh, my God, oh, my God, well, how much am I going to lose on this hand? But now I just, it's just two aces. I'm like, oh, cool, now I got aces. I think it's pretty crazy. I could be playing for nickels and dimes with my family, and if I'm making a big bluff, that'll get my heart going. <laughs> it's not even about the money. It's about, it's about lying and getting away with it. Oh, that's so interesting. So that's why when you're playing with people who are, like, really good and really experienced, they're still going to experience that kind of physiological reaction. You can't, it's, it's nothing they can do. It's, it's not because of lack of experience. It's not because they're playing over their head. They're just they're lying, and they're trying to get away with it, so they're going to be doing some sort of physiological reaction unconsciously. And it's, it, it's really cool when you hear different people's takes on it. And sometimes you'll, when I look online, I'll, I'll, read, a, I'll read a blog, and they'll, they'll bring up something, and I'll, and I'll observe it in the poker room. And be like, man, I'm glad I read that. That guy pointed something out that I didn't see. Uh, we do got to wrap this up, okay. but a couple things here. Uh, definitely having you back because <laughs> we, we just kind of scratched the surface of poker. Yeah, like, there, okay. There's so much more I want to go into, so I'll definitely have you back for that. Also, you're big on betting too, sort of. Well, I, it's, it's part it's part of like being around all these people who are always gambling all the time because <laughs> I, I prefer not to gamble. Every day I walk by all the pits, I walk by the blackjack tables, the craps tables, and that doesn't interest me. But all these other people, it, it, they're they're there to play. I'm not there to I'm I'm not there to really have fun. I'm there to make money. So these other people who are there to, to have fun, you kind of got to keep it interesting for. Have fun with them, right? For sure. Make, make it fun for them. The only betting I really do are, is with people at the table. So that's a whole other level that we got to get into. Not right now. <laughs> not right now. But I'll definitely mark that down for a note. Uh, because it's a semi-fashion podcast and like fashion. Uh, what's, your, uh, what's your poker style? Are you going with shades? Are you more hoodie? It's gotta, just got to be comfortable. If you're sitting there for a while, sometimes you'll be playing and, and you're losing, but the game's really good and you just can't leave. And sometimes you're there for 12 hours to sit in the same seat in the same pose. You just got to be comfortable. I, mean, uh, you- I, I wish I could get away with sweatpants and everything, but then all the stuff would fall out of my pockets. And So I'd, I'm just jeans and a hoodie. Do you, um, do, you have a, do you have a drink nearby? Do you have a sip? Uh, I always start off with the cranberry juice. My brother had kidney stones, so I don't want that. Gotcha. Flush <laughs> so, those out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I don't... Uh, I, I, li- I like drinking when I play. I just know it's probably not the, the most profitable thing I can do. I enjoy it a lot, though. For sure. Drink of choice? Uh, I like beer. I'm a beer guy. Dope. <laughs> well, I mean, you'll definitely grab a beer. Yeah. Vince, thanks for doing this. Once again, I'll definitely get you back in because it's just way over my head, and I just want to get a bit more insight into it. Yeah, so. we want to bring you in, too, man. Anything Dear, I can do to listen, bring you into the game that's the thing. The world. <laughs> I'm, I'm, like, too stingy. And not, not like a, not like a, you know those friends you have that don't want to spend money on anything, and they're like, and you hate having them around because they're you're not cheap. You're just you're, you're just not stupid with your money. Uh, yeah, That's I'm very cool. I'm yeah, very mindful. I know that if I go into a room and it's guys like you, Buck and Ivan, friends of mine that play poker, I wouldn't gamble with me, Buck and Ivan. Okay, but <laughs> let, let's say for instance that is a situation. There are Bucks and Ivans and Vinces out there that are just there to take my money. Like yeah. I know they're going to take my money, so I prefer to hold on to my money and uh, spend it on something frivolous. Like I don't know. <laughs> like some roll-up pants. Like, like exactly. You know what it is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is. Um, your song of the week this uh, this week is going to be Gems. That's the artist. They're fantastic. The song I like from them is Medusa. Get on that. It's been a slice. Peace out. Hey.